and you can see me and hear me just fine. And I'm coming out. Super. Good. Yeah. And you can hear me as well. Well, you're coming out crystal clear, which is a good thing. And I, I got used to the, with the, you know, 10, 10 times. Can I hear you? Can you hear me? <laughs> I did an episode with Gino recently. It was in person. Yeah. It was the first time in person yeah. <laughs> since maybe it was such a relief. I was like, oh my God, we don't have to restart Kilmetra. He's like, yeah, why would you do that? I'm like, no, it's, it's real. You're, you're... Yeah, it's, it's real. <laughs> we're not on Zoom. We're all, uh, yeah, we're all Zoomed out. Yeah. End of 2020. Enough Zoom. Enough Zoom. This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Patreon is a monthly subscription that you can cancel anytime. And PayPal is a one-time donation. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. And you can find us on our YouTube channel with the same name. And you can start watching the episodes as they're released. Thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. I'm Ronnie Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. I really was looking forward to this episode for a number of reasons. The first is, I think the reason I still have hope in the, in the medium term, in the long term, it's because of positions that you've taken. It's words that you express. Um, I think it's coming from people that are deeply active and not giving up. And uh, I respect a lot of things you do. And in particular, the commitment to something new, a new political movement, turning the page, someone who's been involved in politics in Lebanon for quite some time, and has evolved with the politics as well. And I know I'm, this is a very long introduction, but it's just my way of saying thank you. And before we jump into all that is Lebanon, right now, uh, given, well, given how paralyzed everything feels, given that it's really a difficult stretch, and uh, given that no one is okay with what's happening, are you excited that 2020 is ending? <laughs> I'm going to start there, just with the, <laughs> the last, the last stretch of this year. Are you looking forward to 2021? We can start from there before getting into the, the the more the the bigger issues. Because I am, I'm relieved that this year is coming to a close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I can't say that this year has been anything but I. You know, farthest from ideal. Farthest yeah. from, um, you know, yeah. I I don't. I I think most of us will look back at 2020 and see it in a very special way but not in a way that probably evokes a lot of positive memories so yeah so yeah definitely excited that uh, that the year is coming to an end now do, do i think 2021 is going to be a little bit better that's i think that's a different question but uh <laughs> you know you can only you can only do so much i really want 2021 to be better that's all yeah Just not worse but let's yeah. let's sort of let's get into why 2020 was such a bad year and Let's also maybe get into what the positive energy was that took us into 2020. Because I left Lebanon in January of 2020. 
And I still remembered a lot of hope on the streets. The, the protests were still primarily positive. And I'm going to use this word carefully. I don't mean in that they ever really had a negative tone per se, but that there was maybe the euphoria was still there. The euphoria that really expressed itself eloquently in October. And I think it persisted beyond the new year. And then things changed and the tone changed and maybe the, maybe the reaction changed as well. Meaning that the political class, the, the regime itself maybe took a different tone as well. There was a lot of pushback. But going back to where we were at the beginning of the year, do you think that that is a permanent thing? In other words, that you cannot completely crush this moment, that the October uprising is a permanent factor in Lebanese politics, and that there's nothing that you can do about that. Whether it takes a year, five, or 10 years to change things, that it's, it's done. People woke up, and they're not going to tolerate the situation that we were living in up until 2019, up until October. Yes, of, of course. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you look back at October 20, you know, October 17, 2019, and I think that if I had to summarize it, it was a collective awakening. It was, it was an awakening that a lot of us felt that we were this, you know, the silent majority, the, that the feelings that we had about the state we want to live in, the feelings that we had about corruption, the, the fights, uh, the, the, you know, the rights we've been asking for for the longest time was actually felt by a huge you know, majority of Lebanese. Mm. And then when that narrative changed and, and you know, everything was uh, all hands on deck you know, in terms of calling politicians out, in terms of following up on corruption files, in terms of just completely changing narrative that we've never been used to mm-hmm. um, in the country up until that day. And, and there's definitely, you know, you can't go back to that. Now, <clears throat> back from that, sorry. And now the, I think the financial situation as well and the financial collapse doesn't really help because the quality of life in Lebanon and the way that we've been living is something that we'll never see again in, in, in the near future. Um, right. Not that, that it's a bad thing in, in itself. Um, so, so definitely... I think, you know, definitely, I think that, yeah, it's where we're at a passive point of no return. And, you know, this is a fight that we're not, at, we're not at the beginning of it and we're not at the end of it, per se. I wouldn't say that there's light at the end of this tunnel just yet, mm-hmm. um, but we're firmly in the middle and, um, and we got to keep pushing. We got to keep persisting. This firmly in the middle, is that really what Mintashin is about right now? That it's almost, uh, it's writing out this chapter, but it's meant to just keep evolving. Do, do you see yourself as maybe filling the gap? Yeah, I mean, if I just wanted to take a step back and, and see how, how to, to explain to you how Mintishin had started, mm. it was completely organic. You know, it was a bunch of us being caught in, in, in the moment and feeling that, okay, what do we need to do on the streets tomorrow? What do we do after tomorrow? How do we evolve this? Okay, we need to do something on EDL to talk about electricity. Can we do an event in the egg? Okay, let's go and do it. Um, yeah. Closing down parliament. And then that we, we all it was it was almost an intuitive feeling that if we want to survive if we want to survive this environment we're going to need to mobilize we need to organize a little bit better um and, and then so, covid so, came along so sorry surviving means organizing too that there is a yeah absolutely of, yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i mean if 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 the country and if the civil society uh, let's say or the opposition or whatever you want to call us um or the resistance um if we were organized, I think in October 17, we probably would have been able to achieve much more than we did. Yeah. 
And the biggest failure is the fact that there was no proper grassroots um, organization. There wasn't, you know, grassroots political movement. There wasn't even a, cons you know, con centralized consolidated vision. And it's gonna, you know, I, I personally, I feel like it's going to blow up again, um, sometime. And I think that we, we've constantly seen, at least in the recent history of Lebanon, that we always have these intervals where um, hope springs up and spontaneous movements kind of, kind of happen. And it will be extremely um, reckless, I think, and irresponsible if the next time that hope springs back, the next time spontaneous movements happen, if we're not ready politically, in an, in an organized manner, then that's yet another opportunity missed. And um, we're, you know, we're working as hard as we can to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, because that's, that's essentially what's needed. We need new political parties. This revolution should have created not only new political parties, but at the same time, a new understanding of what politics is, a new understanding of, uh, uh, of, of what needs to be offered in, 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 in the country. You, you know, you talked about leadership and, and that transitional aspect of leadership, but we kind of are obsessed in this country in terms of names. Can we name names yeah. in a government or can we, you know, who can be this leader? But I think that more importantly than individuals, and we, we are a very individualistic society, is to switch from names to, to ideas and to vision and to policy. And it doesn't really matter, um, you know, if it's Samet or if it's Ronnie or if it's, uh, you know, whoever. It, the, the, the whole point is, is the idea and, and the belief and a set of ideals that, that we want to fight for. May I ask you, Samet, when you say an individual, individualistic society, is that more that, is, are you referring to Zaim? In other words, that it's a, it's a leadership-oriented society? Or did I, maybe I misunderstood, is that verse collectivist society? Because in my mind, Lebanon is famous for its collectivist nature, and that kind of gets into other areas I want to explore. But just, just in terms of the, the word individualistic, is it less to do with individual expression and more to do with individual leader? Or just, just to clarify what, what that means. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean this, this whole idea of Zami, I think, also mm -hmm. trickles down to, mm -hmm. to society. Right. Um, I, I don't think that we, re, we very much were a society. I mean, in times of uh, tragedy and, and, and this, you know, the heinous crime of August 4 or even on October 17, you saw people get together. But I mean, other than those historic moments, we were a very much a me, me, me society. It, it you, you know, mm -hmm. it, right. we, I, I don't, I generally don't believe that we had this idea of what a community is supposed to be or how you're supposed to participate in society, really. And that, that could stretch from paying taxes to, um, you know, okay, if, 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 if I'm someone who's lucky, if I'm someone who, who has been blessed, then I need to participate to make sure that the most vulnerable people in my society are also protect, protected. Oh, I see. So it's I think like, that, almost like a selfish expression. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, I mean, right. it, it, yeah. yeah, so, so, so mm. I think that the, the narrative needs to kind of switch from this idea of we live like kings and I can do whatever I want and I can agree with it and I know this person and I'm well connected and that's kind of what my uh, modus operandi is to 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 becoming that you know we have a problem as a as a as a country uh, right and and the only way that that gets solved is with a new understanding of what our social contract is and the only way that you're going to be able to get a new social contract is if you have an inclusive and wide-reaching political party as possible.
confessionalism in itself is not the big problem, even though it is, it's a subject that should be addressed and, and maybe it can be in ways that are very straightforward. That could even be just a Senate or something that addresses confessional concerns in a healthy way. But I like that you've, you've said confessional clientelism and that's the ugly side of sectarian governance. And that kind of, you know, the sort of communities protect themselves when they're under attack, even when that attack may be the, the, the right attack, but it's almost like a self-preservation, but it's not the individual, it's, it's the communal at the cost of the country. And I'm just going to quote you to you with your permission, because you, you, you mentioned something today sure. on Twitter, and it just sort of, I think it spoke to the moment. And I want to get your, maybe get your opinion on, on the tweet and what it reflects. And this is in reference to, I think it happened this morning, Hariri going to Hassan Dieb and sort of shielding Hassan Dieb in a sense. So I'll quote you to you. Hariri defending Dieb after continuously trying to discredit him is disgusting. Both should have been called in for questioning. After all, Hariri did go on record in 2019 talking about his cabinet's responsibility for the port. And then the follow-up tweet. This sectarian charade in the face of any sort of accountability or justice. Public office is not a makam, it's a duty, and you answer to your people, all the people you serve. That, in my opinion, is the core essence of modern Lebanon. For better or worse, that has been the, I'm gonna say this carefully without trying to criticize anyone here, and I'm sort of stepping back. It's the raison d'etre of Lebanon, meaning that this is what happens. When there's accountability and when there's justice, the communities go back and they do this sort of middle of the road negotiation and the country fumbles long-term it erodes. And here we are today. It's hard for me to see this kind of governing. I'll use, I don't even know if that's the right word anymore. This type of rule, it's hard for me to see this diminishing. And I say this in 2020, I say this after the blasts, and I say this even with all the good work that's being done on the ground. The NGO work, civil society work, some of it's remarkable. And I know you have sort of a role there too in the base camp, and there's a lot of stuff that's happening which is very positive that should not be discredited one bit. But then this is happening too. And it seems to me like that's, that's the norm. And you, I want you to tell me that I'm wrong here. In other words, that this is a, there's an expiration there's an expiration date on this type of governing, meaning the Sunni prime ministers come together and say, if you're going to attack us, you have to attack a Maronite and a Shia. And if the Shia happens, the same thing. And that kind of dance, that, that dance that we all know, that can, can you convince a skeptic that this is on its way out? It's going to end soon. Hmm. And, and I say that with, because clientelism and the sectarian clientelism it was only based on, on this idea of economic security. And mm -hmm. the, fact that, the fact that they've all been called out, right? It was real, you know, as, as distant as it seems right now, but being in, the, in that square, um, hearing Kermelik Nobatiye, Kermelik Trablos, Kermel Ba, that unity that we felt, that, that, was, that was real. And you know that, I mean, what a lot of people, do, you know, fail to see or, or don't look at is, is, and you started with how does that feeling of, of 2020 go in? 
the revolution was faced with a very, very strong counter-revolution. Um, sectarianism, the main card that was played to kind of diminish everything that we've achieved because the, you know, let's not kid ourselves. The people who were there on October 17 that were pushing hard weren't alternative political party. They were the partisans of the traditional political parties who had had enough. Yes, absolutely. So, so, but then if you spend six months separated, right? And, and COVID as well, and, and we see this in the world, you, 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 you're, you're withdrawn from spaces where you're able to kind of mingle. Mm. The grocery store, going to the movies with someone who's really like you and sharing a movie experience, you're withdrawing back to, to environments that you're comfortable with. And that completely, I, I mean, removes the main essence for me that happened in October 17, which was the talks and the book exchanges and, and the public debates. And that was the magic and that was what scared them. And that's, that's, that's where we need to go. So going back to this idea of clientelism, they are morally and they are script-wise, they're broke. They have nothing else to say other than this idea of, I need to protect my, uh, my sect or I need to protect my own people. But I mean, the way that we're going and the way that if they're going to keep up the strategy of no action, then, then I, I generally don't see how they're going to be able to kind of convince their own people that, yeah, I'm sorry, you can't get your money out of the bank. I'm sorry that you can no longer pay for tuition. I'm sorry that you don't have electricity. I'm sorry that you might not even have food to eat. And then I think people at that point go, you know, screw my Maronite rights or my Dinizi rights or my Sunni rights or my Shia rights. Like, well, for what? I don't think of March 14 in a negative way. And I think a lot of maybe there's been a lot of pushback in, in recent months in particular that March 14 is a, a toxic sort of chapter that it's a sectarian chapter, that it's, a, it's the old sort of stuff. And, and to me, I don't remember March 14 that way. And I, I kind of wanna, I wanna pick your brain on this. I remember the first days after February 14, and then the, the weeks leading up to March 14 as equally magical, that you had people coming from all sides of the city for the first time since the war ended. They were all part of political parties and they were very visible they had those flags and it was, it was almost taken for granted that that's going to be part of the story. At the same time, people were pushing for something new. There's something that happened after March 14, which it, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm maybe pushing a little too far here, but I don't think of that kind of euphoria ending naturally. I thought of it ending violently. And that that movement for all its flaws, for all of its, you can argue about it until we all die, but for all its, all its problems, it was killed. It was eliminated. There's none of that happening right now. There isn't sort of a direct targeting against the October 17 uprising. But I sense that the core issue remains that people cannot express themselves fully, politically in particular, so long as there's a violent threat. And you kind of mentioned this already that it's true. 2020, many things went wrong and there's also the counter-revolutionary aspect. And the counter-revolutionary aspect was from all sides. It wasn't just one group or one, but you had, there is a, there's an issue of violence that, that persists and that 
politics cannot be done in Lebanon properly, so long as violence is the counter threat. Does any of that resonate with you? But before we get back into where we, how we got to October 17, that there's a there's a issue that has not been addressed fully, and that may that may be the permanent stumbling block, even if there's another round of hope, years from now, even if people try once more, that they're going to hit the same wall at the end of the day. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, I mean, just to answer you as well, I, I still look at March 14, 2005 as, as probably one of the proudest days of my life, um, without the, the, the day specifically. I'm not talking mm -hmm. about the movement, I'm not talking about how it evolved, but that, but that day, I, I still remember it like it was yesterday. I still remember walking from AUD gate, walking <laughs> through Clemenceau, seeing people yeah. kind of throwing right. It was, it was, a, it was a magical day and, and seeing the, the entire country kind of for the first time, and we, we had talked about this, I mean, even if there were political flags there, and they, yeah, they were very present, it was a sea of, of, of our, the Lebanese flag and, and seeing everyone kind of come together and saying that, you know, asking for something extremely nationalist and, 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 and the pride, you know, it, and, and, and also for an occupation that we thought would never, ever end. Um, right. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it was, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's, if you go back to 2004, 2003, it's so that we're going to actually achieve what, what happened in 2005. And it was a rare, but, rare occasion for positive nationalism. And in, in history, you don't yeah. really have these moments. And Lebanon did it. It waved its flag yeah. for the first time proudly in, in many years. I'm so, sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah you're right. It, it, it was positive, you know, nationalism. Hmm. Um, and, but, you know, I, I just want to go back to that movement. I think, you know, the, the parties that said that they're going to kind of fulfill the dreams, everyone that was in a coalition of March 14 was practically a, a liar, you know, and I don't think that the majority of them could, could, could end up, could, could, could say today that they fulfilled, that they're, they're liars. And, and you talk mm -hmm. about violence that, yes, you know, we're always going to be faced with violence as, as the, the antithesis or, or something that's constantly there is simply because, these are violent political parties. These are political parties who came in on violence. Who, you know, you cannot separate. Um, you, you cannot separate the, the 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 violence of the civil war. You can't separate the economic violence that that they've conducted and they've waged by hijacking institutions, by making sure that every single institution in the country is completely extracted, and um, by making sure that democracy is not actually participatory, but by ensuring that that they are constantly there to kind of take the decisions. Um, and, 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 you know, uh, cut the pie up, uh, as everyone says. Um, and, and that brings us back to, to, to Hariri again and the same names. And, and for me, it's, I, I, I can't, I, I really can't understand it how they have one uh, operation of, of vision and it's, and, you know, you can almost predict it. They're going to come in. They're not going to be efficient. It's going to be across the pie. They're going to say that they tried to do the forensic audit, but this happened. They're going to come up with excuses. We've, you know, we've, we've been down this road so many times before. Um, and, and I've, you know, I, I say it confidently. I think that the current political elite and the current, the current political regime, they, it's not in their, you know, words like governance, words like participation, words like vision. It's not in their software. It's not part of their DNA. They, they, they know how to govern, again, using that term very loosely. They know how to govern in one way and one way only. And that's, you know, put us firmly in the worst case scenario. Every single scenario that we feared 
since October 17, um, were realizing it simply because it's ideal for them. Again, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to sound like conspiracy theorist, but if anyone believes that it's not th their plan that we do nothing, the market fixes itself to a certain extent, we have 150,000 to 200,000 Lebanese who immigrate. Those Lebanese are going to immigrate feeling like um, they still have something in the country. They're going to send money back. And, and you know, we, we reinvent ourselves and, and we take it there and we work on the sectarian. That's it. It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a bad groundhog day that we're constantly going through with, with, this, with, with this regime. And this is why, you know, for us, hmm. it's, 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 criti it's important. And, and people, you know, go like, what are you still doing here? Right. Why are you still fighting? It's an uphill battle. I know it's an uphill battle. We, you know, everyone in Mitishi knows it's an uphill battle, but if we're not going to fight them, if we're not going to, you know, stand in their face and, and, and tell them enough is enough and push for whatever we're able to push for and hopefully inspire a generation that comes after us. And we're seeing it in the, in the, in the universities and we're, you know, then, 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 you know, what's, what, what's, what's the point? What was October 17th for if we're not going to continue this fight and we're not going to quit when it's easy, you know, that's not the way, to go. I fully agree. And I think every battle is uphill by default. So the fact is this, this hill is just a little sort of steeper than it maybe <laughs> should be for a country that has in a way paid so much in terms of patience and financial sort of financial pain and, and obvious re and physical pain as well. So let's say it's very steep, very steep terrain. The roadmap that you're describing, and I think that kind of that is in Mintishreen's essence. And I hope I'm, I, I mean, I say this as somebody just observing, not somebody who's involved directly. I, I see it as sort of a platform to get us out of this situation into something better. That includes also addressing core issues like the social pact. That includes maybe even things that we're not too familiar with. I mean, I, I'm no expert on the sort of intricacies of, of law per se, but at the same time, I sense that that's in the, that's, there's a platform to get us into something that's better. And not everyone has to agree all the time on what that better thing is. But just in terms of applying that roadmap in 2020 down the road, and then looking back on the failure of March 14, which you're, you're describing, just in terms of getting this platform to its destination, is there any concern that the reasons March 14 the, not necessarily the movement, but the, like you said, the day, the spirit of that moment, that it won't meet the same fate. That debates over the long-term planning of debates about fixing Lebanon, they're great. And we do this, I think it's in our nature now to debate on every issue. And it's the healthiest, maybe the healthiest form of expression that Lebanon has seen where every issue is being discussed openly. And there's, I think there's very little fear now of speaking your mind about all issues, but violence can be talked about. It can be, it can be addressed maybe, but when there's action against it, it's met in a, in a very sort of, it's it met in a way that's meant to silence. And that silencing factor is, is what keeps many good ideas from, from taking hold in Lebanon. So are you, and maybe it's a convoluted question, but can you see a roadmap emerging where the violent threat remains, but the politics can be improved and that you can kind of, in a way, dance around the issue 
because I'm trying to see how it survives. I mean, I think what's also important and what we try to do in Tashina and explain a couple of initiatives that, that, that we're working on is that October 17 was extremely ambitious. And what we, what we aspired for, and every single time that someone says we need to fix the country, it feels like there's this monumentous task. And, and, and I agree because let's call a spade a spade. We're a failed state. This is a failed country. This is a country that doesn't offer anything for its, for its people. But where do you start? And, and, and that's where you kind of break it down into little goals. I can tell you about Basecamp. And yeah, Basecamp has yeah. evolved in terms of, in terms of from, um, uh, from just being a relief um, presence to um, a projects called Sustainable Urban Neighborhoods. We're trying to recreate um, certain streets in Jaitewe as well to kind of um, redevelop what that, that, what that uh, street needs in a, in a communal um, effort and in a communal way where what, the way that a country the size of Lebanon should be, where you're able to have a couple of streets that completely interact with each other. And that's a model that could be piloted to other cities as well. And we don't need to go on a nationwide level, but that in itself is a, is a, is a counter to not confessionalism, because I respect that you can be of any religion and exist in this neighborhood, but of clientelism. Um, at the same time, for example, something like where an, another project is also solar powers. You know, solar powered yes. energy as well is something that is, that is a per, Lebanon is a perfect climate for that. Yeah. And you're able to kind of, yeah, I mean, sure, the first aspect of violence, just about violence, is that we're going to face the cartel, Aisabe slash mob uh, of the generators. But, you know, it's, it, it's, it's an important, you know, risk or it's a important step you have to take. Mm. Um, or healthcare. Uh, you know, healthcare is probably one of the most corrupt industries that, that, or that exists in Lebanon. It's, it's completely, you know, taken by the political parties. There's a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of insurance. There's a lot of paperwork. And, you know, this idea that there are actual Lebanese people dying because they can't get the, 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 the you know, uh, care. Um, that can be countered with going back to uh, neighborhood public health initiatives. And uh, so starting small. Um, I also think that part of the counter-revolution as well is to make you despair, to make you hope, to kind of show up with, with guns and, 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 and mopeds or, or threats or, or whatever you want to call it, um, to make you despair and to make you feel like the task um, is, is an impossible one. But I think right now, unlike 2005 and unlike any previous time in history, we're talking about um, uh, an economic catastrophe. We're talking about a social catastrophe. And that can only be countered with public service or politics in the favor of public service. Not being, um, you know, not just going to the people when we need them over elections campaign, but being for the people when, when they need us, when they need, when they need the community. Um, by listening to them, by allowing them to participate um, in, in budgets, in taking certain decisions, in, in having a completely transparent way of, if you pay taxes, this is what the taxes are end up going to. Um, and, and in our opinion, it's just these really small initiatives that generally could make a difference in the lives of the Lebanese. And, and you, you start from there um, and, and you, know, you, you kind of build from there. And I mean, this idea of a roadmap as well in itself is kind of, surreal for a country like Lebanon, right? Like, I mean, I don't think any of us could have sat there in 2018 after the elections, um, you know, obviously being disappointed, but I don't think any of us could have predicted that this is where we're going to be almost two years later. 
Um, and I think yeah. what the what the what the region is going through and what the country is going through is something that hasn't it hasn't happened before in history. I don't think it's happened in the hundred years of the Greater Lebanon, and I don't think any a lot of us know um, what you know what's going to happen next. And 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 all you can do is just what's in front of you and take care of it to as 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 best as you can. This immediate support, and that I think is probably, it's, it's a very impressive reaction where you have something so heinous, this ammonium nitrate explosion that sends half the city into despair, an already tired country, an already impoverished society faced with an explosion of such magnitude and that's in August. Now we're in December. The immediate response is fantastic. The care taken, the windows replaced, the shelter, the, the assistance from the common person. Forget confessionalism. Forget any of that. Just the decency among people was so, was, was so impressive for anyone in the country or outside, just watching this and really remarkable. In my mind, what's equally remarkable is the silence. Now, I know it's not the task of a civil society, of, of an NGO, or even a protester necessarily to take matters into their own hands and deliver justice. That's not how it works. At the same time, It's, it's just so, so depressing that, what is it? Maybe a few officials here and there are being summoned. That's not justice. And I, I sense, I sense that there may be no appetite for going all the way. And that could be for many reasons, but I just wanna reflect. There's, there's a quote, I think it's from yesterday on, on Twitter we were all sort of tweeting about Hassan Diab and, and being sort of there. And there's, there's a tweet. And I'm sorry to focus on your tweets only, but they, they do speak to the moments. So yeah. I'm going to reflect one last, one, sure. last time, one last time on Twitter, then I'll leave you alone from Twitter. <laughs> but it's a quote, it's a quote that it, see, it, it struck me as, as speaking to the moment. And you're reciting, a, you're reciting I think, uh, Timur Azhari. He, he sort of posted something, and this is a, a comment on, on his post. And this is from you. Justice will always be underwhelming in this country, staged by the political elite as they see fit. However, if this is the start of a long road to justice, so be it. We shouldn't relent the pressure on this heinous crime. It's the last two sentences, the start, and also we shouldn't relent. Is this really the start for justice in, in your mind? Meaning that a judge called in a few officials and sort of maybe did something that seems correct for the first time, but it's very underwhelming. And it's, it seems to be pointing in, a, in one direction for better or worse. And also, do you really sense that the pressure is still there from people demanding accountability for this blast? In other words, is this, are these lines born out of hope more than reality? And I don't mean, I'm not trying to sort of be condescending here. I'm just really trying to get to where, where we are in terms of expectations. That is this something that's really beyond our, beyond our control that 
if there's no investigation, can't really do much about it. And this also alludes to the fact that there's no international investigation into this blast, which is, which is horrifying. If anything, this is the type of blast that needs a lot of help in analyzing and getting to the bottom. It seems to be political scores being settled rather than a, a true investigation. So this, this political class, I mean, in case you didn't already know it, are so hypocritical and you know, <laughs> downright disgusting that every single statement of theirs is, let's go to the judiciary and let the judiciary decide. And then when the judiciary acts, they do everything to kind of discredit it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just constantly, you know, just yeah. the, this game of, 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 you know, you know, what do you call it? <laughs> like a tug of war kind of thing with the judiciary. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's disgusting. And I mean, the, the, you know, that without, you know, you know, without a proper judiciary, and this is why the independence of the judiciary has been, you know, in my opinion, the most important demand since October 17 is so critical because without it, and I'm not just talking about from political perspective, but that's where you protect your rights as a, as a citizen on, on all, on all forms. Yeah. Um, so I, I also think that in this country, we might not um, see proper justice. And I, and I don't think that we will. I, I, I generally don't think that within this framework that we will see proper justice. I think that at best, we might see a couple of these ministers maybe go down but a lot of us would have unanswered questions. You know, mm. why was the vote brought in? Who ordered this? Who took it? There's so many questions that, that need to be asked. Yeah. But we got to start somewhere. And, and that's, and that's for, for me, and we, we kind of talked about paralysis. There is almost always this approach of all or nothing, where we're really, you know, what we need to be talking about, when you talk about a, a roadmap, the roadmap essentially is just incremental gains. We have to start somewhere if... If, if right now we have three ministers, you know, three ministers that up until a year ago were untouchable, go to jail. Okay. I'm, I'm not happy with it. I'm not satisfied with it, but okay. I, I, I'm sorry to intrude it's, here, but do you, do you think that that's the, that will happen? I mean, I, it's hard. It's no, maybe I'm saying it out of pure pessimism. No, no. I don't know, but it's, I can't see that. No. Yeah. You, okay, look, so I'm, a lot of people say that I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm not an optimist. I'm a possibilist. I think that <laughs> things could, yeah, really, it's, it's, it's just the possibility of things happening. Stranger things have happened. And, 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 and I want to reiterate that where, where we are now, if you kind of just go back, we weren't there five years ago. We weren't there 10 years ago. You know, we, we are in a different place, depending on how you look at it depending on how you look at the world, depending on how you, how you see things. Mm. And it's a start and we need to build on that. Uh, I, and uh, and, and it's, it's, it's really important that if we see any sort of justice on this, that, that we push for it. And if it doesn't happen now, for me, I think it's critical that we don't relent. It's, 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 and, and the second part of your question is, do you really see people going for it? And I think that people are just emotionally broken. Um, and and I, I don't, I really don't uh, hold anyone, you know, I don't judge anyone and I completely understand that because I want to go to August 8th. August 8th, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people showed up on the street. A lot of people showed up with a lot of anger and it was, you know, a risk and a willingness and the kind of in-your-face approach that I saw people go like, you know what, we've lost everything, bring it on. Yeah. And, you know, myself included, you know, I was deep in the front lines. I, you know, I got, 
You were and injured. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I got shot. I got rubber bullets in my arm and I got the pellet gun in my legs. Um, because, uh, you know, I was so deep inside next to the, you know, next to almost the wall between Virgin, the, the real wall, not, none, of the, none of the barricades. Yeah. And, you know, people were met with, with, with live ammunition and rubber bullets and pellets and tear gas, even just by standing there. So, and with the fact that you can't, you know, you, you think, do I go to my job and try to make any sort of living or do I go down to the streets and demand justice? Uh, you know, I don't blame anyone for having to make that decision. But activism or, or, or you know, fighting for something doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. The, the idea of independent, you know, the, 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 the term of independence of judiciary up until a year ago, right, right before the revolution, you know, legal agenda and a few activists talked about it. Now it's yeah. a mainstream topic. That's true. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we might not get justice tomorrow, but hopefully we'll get justice, um, you know, in one way or another. Um, because it, it, it's, it's not going to, we, we cannot forget this. We cannot forget August 4. We cannot forget any of the crimes that, that you know, that, 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 that have happened. We cannot forget the, 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 the financial crimes. We can't just, now, it's no longer the time that, that the Lebanese are used to, which is, okay, we're just going to turn the page and we're going to pretend like, um, you know, it, it started. That's, that's done. Uh, you know, at the least of it, it's done because we all have our Twitter accounts and we have our Facebook accounts. And at least there are still people that go down to the street and, and talk about it. Um, mainstream news, right? LBCI was doing a fantastic report on corruption, just like a Jadid is. And a lot of people and the all of nothing approach, a lot of people say, OK, where were they for, you know, where were they for the last 10 years? Why are these reports coming out now? Yes, I see that point. I do see that point, And it's a genuine point as to why was the, main, the mainstream media um, be compliant with, with all of this. But if they change now, and now that we have the mainstream TV ch stations also calling people out on their corruption, then these figures um, are now in the court of public justice. There is no way that we don't look at that as progress. So the pro maybe again, maybe right now I'm not being a possibilist. Maybe I'm being an optimist. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic. But there's no way that we can look at this as, as, as for me, you can't look at it as, as progress. Um, and then last but not least, I, I, you just said something, sorry, course, you said something yeah. about the international um, an international investigation. And, and I agree um, that an act that is so heinous and so, it's a crime against humanity, what happened, generally. It, yeah. you know, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a crime against, you can't sit in, the, in silence, but, you know, it's time for the Lebanese to really, really start taking matters of what happens in their country in their own hands. We, you know, we, we know that an international investigation, you know, the size of the STL, how it was politicized, how when it was incepted um, until, you know, justice was served, if we're going to say that. We know what happened in terms with the, with the, with the Assad regime and we know how certain things were now put off limit. And, you know, I, I, the, the people who need to care about Lebanon the most are the people who are in this land, all of the Lebanese. This is, this is Ireland, no other country, you know, as much as they pretend, they, they're gonna care about their own interests first, which is understandable, which is what any, any country is supposed to do. And kind of our, you know, our fault is that our leaders um, are, are essentially just rented, um, you know, mouthpieces and, and the interests of Lebanon never has come first, but that comes from the people. That comes from the people, you know, saying, no, I, I'm, you know, I want my independent judiciary. It's, it's, it's a right. 
it's not, you know, it's not just some fantasy. You know what? It's good to hold on to any positive development. And I think a possibilist maybe would focus in on the incremental steps which you're which you're describing. But I'm going to we can step back a bit and maybe get into exactly what is possible now. And even if it's small, but it still matters with Mintishneen, given the current situation. And if you don't mind, maybe you can help me uh, understand in terms of, if we're not able to address the larger issues and, and those larger issues could be about sovereignty, they could be about foreign policy, they could even be about sub-state weaponry. I think most countries would probably find it very difficult to get to the small issues while those big issues are not addressed. But let's say Mintishun is up to the ch- up to the challenge. And it's really like, it's almost like a cliff rather than a hill. So it's really like, it's kind of like rock climbing, actually, <laughs> incremental yeah. rocks. And you get to the top at some point, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're lucky, <laughs> and you need a good yeah. rope. But that kind of, against all odds, incremental changes, what is Mintashreen trying to do if, if, let's say, elections come and there are seats in parliament? And you know what? You mentioned this earlier, and it should be emphasized more and more. The student elections are important. I mean, there is, there is change happening in certain areas. It may not be immediately visible. It's not in the halls of power per se, but there is a generation growing up that wants something different. So that there, there is something there, and it should be noted. But let's say parliamentary elections happen or whatever, any elections happen, and Mintashreen is involved. I, I, I would like to know what are those possible changes, even if they're incremental, even if they're slow-paced, given the current situation, given the way, given the way Lebanon has emerged. I mean, it's, it's every problem that you can imagine, and you're faced with it. So what could the good voices in Mintashreen do given that that's your challenge. Your challenge is a, it's a very dysfunctional, very violent, very chaotic, but in some ways solid intercommunal power sharing monster that seems to find its way over time. So what is Mintershin's immediate goals? Not necessarily the long-term. We can even sort of, we can get into that later, but the immediate, immediate goals. And you, maybe you can help me sort of unpack them. I think there's one um, one catastrophe that's facing us in 2021, and that's economic. And with economic, you have social implications. Um, you know, for me and and for a lot of my peers, education. You know, uh, we're not talking about education. We're not talking about the fact that 65% of Lebanese students go to private universities, and and with a you know with a with a, with an exchange rate that's changing, that means that they no longer are able to kind of, you know, pay for, for, for schools and for universities. Um, public sector, I think we all need, we know the state of the public sector. So I think in the immediate, in the immediate term, uh, that is where our focus is. Our focus is on, on social protection. Um, and, and that is done through initiatives um, like technical, uh, you know, technical support, um, you know, mental health support educational uh, aspects where we have, you know, an economy that's created where we have a lot of talented and educated people who are able to give classes, who are able to continue education for people who can no longer afford it. Mm. That is the most critical, um, critical component. 
that can also be done with, with this and not, not can be done, will be done with the support of the huge diaspora network. The other aspect is certain initiatives like the environment. Um, you know, fun fact, 70% of our organic waste, 70% uh, of our waste in Lebanon is organic. And guess what this government do? Yeah, guess what this government does? We import fertilizer. I did not know. No joke. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, no joke. Yeah, exactly. So what, by creating sorting centers, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, look, the, the, the more that we do this, and part of the exercise that we did was really go through, um, we're working on our political plan and our, and our political manifesto, and it should be live on our website um, that we're launching at the beginning of 2021. But we, we really went into the, you know, the tiniest details and you know, it's, it's, it's surreal. It's, you know, it's really surreal that the decision-making um, that was agreed upon, this get-rich scheme that they did is just bizarre. But I mean, again, I don't want to talk about them anymore, but, but so sorting centers. And what sorting centers essentially does is it creates jobs. At the same time, you're able to sell that to municipalities. You're able to give subsidies in, 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 in a certain sense on whoever uses organic waste. And that automatically creates uh, creates an economy. Um, you know, other industries that Lebanon can end up being being competitive in. You know, that is essentially how you plan for a country. That that that's that's the core way of, of how you plan for a country. What are my people good at doing? And I'm not worried about the Lebanese. And and again, this is another aspect of possibilities. We are a talented, creative, hungry you know, people, if, if we have the right instruments, we'll rebuild our economy. There's no worry there. Um, the worry is what you're saying, the bigger issues, the, 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 yes. the, the security issues, the geopolitical issues, our yeah. geography. Um, you know, but, but if I think, you know, if we think about that, and that's always going to be a threat, then we lose opportunities to do anything. And I go back to this counter-revolution of, of despair, of, of despair and, and lose hope. So, so just to go back to the question, the immediate, the immediate thing is taking care, of, taking care of each other. We have to take care of each other. And any, you know, any discussion about, I want to go into parliamentary seats or I want to go into my municipalities, we go back to the same uh, rhetoric that we've heard, which is extremely exclusive. We yeah. need to go into more yeah. inclusive politics. We need to go down back to, uh, you, you know, to, 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 to how to build a proper country. I'm, I'm personally, I'm not nostalgic for, for what Beirut used to be. I'm not. Um, I, I'm, I miss obviously the hustle and bustle of it and I miss the energy of it and I miss that feeling of life. But we didn't have a country. We didn't, we didn't have a, yes, we had the nice bars and we had, you know, rooftop clubs and we had nice restaurants and Beirut be is beautiful be for shopping. Grand Factory is not a bad place to spend the weekend. No, not, not, not at all. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a lovely place. And, and we're also committed to, 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 to bringing that back. But, you know, what we used to do at the Grand Factory all the time was also, you know, use that platform, use the fact that we had 4,000 youth to kind of give environmental messages, yeah. to kind of give back to the community. Um, we didn't have a country. We had places that, you know, weren't accessible by 99% of the population. We had this extractive monster that removed us from our rights. And we were just happy um, of living way above our means. We were happy with this, um, you know, this fake economy that we were living in. And we shouldn't go back to that. And none of us should should kind of you know miss miss those days. We 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 
have an you know a, a momentous task right now and and it's about building the country and i don't think that me and you and our generation are going to reap the rewards of it mm. but mm. if if we're able to lay the groundwork for for a successful state um for our kids for our grandkids then we would have done our job but Samir, that's I... that's what public services but I, I, so these in a way you, you kind of listed them out in a very easy way to it's so appealing. You have an economic sort of agenda. You have a, an educational policy in a sense, and you're also addressing environmental concerns. So it's very straightforward. It's almost like the basic functioning of a state. You're trying to get the state to work. Do you think these areas are shielded enough from the larger problems that there could be, there's ways to, ways to fix these issues while ignoring others? Is that kind of a built-in ethos maybe for Mintashin that there's areas we can address but we cannot necessarily address the bigger things because those are beyond our control and am I getting that right that so like for example yes. uh, the security situation or, or everyone talks about it now people never talked about it before Hezbollah Hezbollah is still an armed group and this is 30 years since the civil war ended they're still involved so that there's no way to even talk about that group's weapons at this stage. That's something, just put it aside. Am I getting that right? Yeah, I mean, yes, because the, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can't control. Not, not only can we not control it, but we don't have the, the, you know, the capabilities or the resources or even the decision-making power to kind of you know discuss those things, it's it's just beyond their reach. Maybe one day, right. hopefully one day, not just as Mintashin, you know, any um, independent or you know movement or or you know any person has the right to kind of participate in this country, but as long as there's vision and as long as there's transparency and all that. So I generally hope that one day we'll be able to be in power to take those decisions. Um, maybe we can't do anything about them, mm. but we need to talk about them. And that's also something that, in my opinion, is progress. Like you said, the Hezbollah issue five years ago, we couldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Now, we need to talk. We, we have to talk about it. We have I, to talk about the fact. But I know I'm, I'm asking a big question here. And you say as much as you'd like. It may be an unfair question. But is that something that would emerge at this stage? Or is that something for later? So in other words, let's say early next year, there's a platform people can access. And it's an appealing platform. It addresses fundamental issues. Do, do you do you think it would also address that fundamental issue at this stage, or is it just too soon? That that's sort of it's not on the agenda. No, right we now. have we we have a, we have a position. You know, right now you can't create a political party or a, a credible one and a serious one if you're gonna just ignore the issues that you're comfortable talking about and sweep other issues away. We have a position on Hezbollah. I'm really happy which, you're saying you know, that. And, and very. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. And Keep... very clearly, yeah. just to just to you know, very clearly, um, we believe in, in in resistance. We believe in uh, the Palestinian cause is a very rightful cause, and it's not one that we shouldn't. And we share that. We, sh- you know, Lebanon is 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 a country that was abused by um, Israel, um, but we also don't agree that the resistance is able to be kidnapped by a singular party that's used in sectarian terms, which essentially is shared in, in clientelism terms. And in terms of, of a country, no self-respecting um, state can allow for anyone um, other than the state itself to take decisions of war and peace. That's our position. And, and 
you know, and we'll be willing to debate it with anyone that, that, that we need to talk about. We, again, it's a Lebanese decision and it's a Lebanese issue that we need to deal with. We don't believe in certain things like 1559 and 1701 because that also goes back into this idea of sovereignty of Lebanon. Um, and, and when we're dealing um, with, with issues of Lebanon, especially with a neighbor that's as expansionist and as, that's aggressive as Israel, then, then it, it goes back to Lebanese decision of what the Lebanese state needs to do. But you know, we have a position, uh, similar to, to us having a position on Syria. Um, the fact that if, you know, it, it, with, with the regime and hopefully a clean regime that comes in because the Assadist regime is not really a regime that you can deal with and, and, and Lebanon has, has already felt that. To also have an amicable and, and, and a trusting relationship between two sovereign nations. We can't, you know, we can't also sweep that under the rug as well. You need to, right now, I, I think that, and this is also progress, we're willing to talk about these issues. Because like, for too long, we, yeah. they, they, we've been told, sweep it under the rug. Now's not the right time to talk about it. We'll talk about it next time. And, and, and we, look, look what happened when we, we kind of started ignoring things. You know, we can't I, ignore these things anymore. For me, it's the first time I've heard this, which is it's, it's in a way refreshing. I haven't heard up until now uh, anyone who's willing to say two things at the same time, and it sort of adds up in, in the sense that uh, against 1559 and against 1701, but fundamentally Lebanese sovereigntist nationalist in a positive way, that it, it's almost like offering a, it's almost like that's the kind of dialogue you would want when it comes to asserting the Lebanese position, but not counting on anyone else. It's almost like ignore whatever UN Security Council resolutions are there. Let's do this on Lebanon's terms. It could end up being the same position long-term, but the fact is that this is a, this is a domestic, this is an indigenous movement. It's not, you're, it's not looking for external support. So I kind of, I appreciate yeah. that view. I haven't heard that one yet, but, but also what no, I, I mean, yeah, sorry, sorry, keep going. No, just, just, just to add to that, you said, you said dialogue and, and I don't, I don't mean dialogue the way that Al-Hiwar, that, you know, this political right. yeah. elite has also kind of done, but I mean, you know, yes, you have, you're a Lebanese person who has issues with, with Hezbollah's weapons. Fair. I respect that. But I also respect um, the son or the daughter of the South, who ever since the 70s, the Lebanese state has essentially told the South to go fend for yourself. And there is this, you know, movement called Hezbollah that was born that created institutions that gave them protection, that protected them in their houses and their lands, and they're loyal to that party. And those are Lebanese people. They're, 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 they're my brothers and my sisters in this nation. And it's extremely important to kind of, and this is why for us it's Lebanese, you know, we, we cannot have this black and white ideology, you know, I, I identity politics that if I disagree with you on politics and you're my enemy, especially in a country that is so diverse and so multifaceted, you know, we, we, we need to, and again, that's, that's the beauty of October 17, you know, all of these, we were a million people, we were two million people, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. That, that really is the TV stations like that. What really matters <laughs> is the conversations that you had, the, the fact that you were interacting with people that you thought you'd never interact with, 
um, you know, going up to Tripoli and experiencing Tripoli and the people of Tripoli in all its glory, that's, that's, that's the Lebanon that we dream of. It's not this idea of, I have bad blood with you and because I disagree with you on the way forward then you're my enemy. And, and it needs to be a constructive dialogue and dialogue always means that both sides are willing to have a dialogue to agree on a certain point. But we believe that that's, that's the way forward. Fully agree. And the dialogue that was set up in the past was really a, it's almost like managing a sinking ship dialogue. It's not real dialogue. It's not dialogue yeah. meant to take some, not, not, it's not the type of dialogue that offers solutions. It's dialogue for the sake of dialogue, which doesn't really do much. It actually tarnishes the word dialogue, which is meant to be positive. Yeah. But, but that aside, do you, do you think that that's part of the reason why earlier attempts at inclusivity, which I think is what you're kind of, you're hinting at repeatedly, which, which it resonates, that you're trying to reach out and make sure everyone has a way into this kind of movement, that the inclusivity was there before, and that could be something like Beirut Medinati on a, on a smaller scale, that's just municipal issues, but it was an inclusive idea. It didn't sort of, uh, I don't think it was off limits to anyone per se. That's inclusive, but, but something like that is just not able to address the bigger issues or, or deliberately chooses to ignore the bigger issues. Maybe Beirut Medinity is too small, but even Kaluna Watani, that kind of sort of, we're going to only talk about what we can do without talking about what we can't. Inclusive, but also turning a blind eye. Do you think that this is an auto-correction, if you will? This is like uh, learning what, those groups did wrong and trying to do it the right way now? And is that kind of the, the way forward? Start small, aim high, and hope you land somewhere in the middle, at least in the, in the coming years? Because that, that sounds like there is the birth of something new. It's taking hold and it's there. And if it gets, if it gets, if it gets attacked, it's very visible this time that this is a non-confessional, all-inclusive, Lebanese group that has nothing to do with the old ways. And if it's being attacked, it's clear that they're being attacked from a group that's hell-bent on holding on to something from the past. If we don't evolve, we die. If we don't reconcile with our past and really learn from our past. And I, don't th and I think that's another big issue that we've had in Lebanon. We've, we've constantly been robbed of our history or we find that, it's, that the easy way out is just to kind of sweep it under the rug and don't talk about it. We need to reconcile. We need to learn from our history. We need to accept it. We, we, we cannot just keep, you know, just turning a blind eye that, 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 that it's not healthy. It's not healthy in, 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 any, in any context you want to go into. Um, I don't necessarily think, by, by, by the way, Beirut Medinity did any mistakes. I, I always mm -hmm. dream and think that, you know, if they won, and, and, and I personally hold the conviction that I think that Beirut Medinity did, in fact, win a couple of seats, um, I dream about the Beirut that we might have seen for the last four years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we might not have dealt with the biggest issues. Um, we might still be in this in this you know this hole that we find ourselves in. But I dream sometimes that if they actually won, what 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 the city of Beirut would have looked like. Now, 2018, uh, uh, that's where um, yeah I, that the, the mistake was. Uh, don't vote for them. Vote for us. Which is pretty much the way that the political parties kind of exist right now.
Oh, meaning they're from the Kulana, bad guys from Kulana Watani. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. from Kulana Watani. Like these guys kind of, you know, took the state hostage, these political elites and uh, this political regime. You need to vote for us because um, we're, we're, we're going to show you the light. We're going to show you the promised land. Um, and, and people didn't accept that because there was no credibility. Um, and, and if you think about it, that, 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 that language is exactly what the political establishment parties do right now which is that other guy is the one that's really screwing you over. I'm the one that's going to take you to the promised land. Yeah. Um, so, 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 yeah. So, so, I mean, we, we need to not only focus on the issues and on the policies that you had mentioned before, but there also needs to be an, a, an understanding of what it means to kind of participate in this country and, and, and what inclusion means. You know, what? inclusion, not only, Inter- so, go no, ahead. no, please, please go ahead. I, I keep interrupting you because I have so many things. To no, say. go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, please finish that thought about inclusion. So, so, so I- inclusion in the sense that not only from, from, from the aspect of this party belongs to everyone, and this is the way that we see it, that, you know, this party belongs to any Lebanese who believes in a sovereign country, who believes in a country that is um, governed by the rule of law, that believes in the, the, you know, the, the accessibility of, of what we're supposed to do, the fact that education is a right, you know, living is a right, healthcare is a right, you know, eating, being able to eat, this is something that we talk about. These are rights, these are fundamental rights that the state, you know, it's their duty to give it um, to, the, to, to the citizens. Um, and that also needs to go into, into, into the inclusion. We need to be, a, you know, a, a country where, right now they're talking about the banking reforms that yes, you know, if you are from the top 300 accounts in this country, you need to pay, pay your fair share due of participating in the society, protect the most vulnerable. We can no longer exist in this jungle state where the strong eat the weak and the weak don't have any tools to protect themselves. And, and that as well, in terms of the rhetoric, in terms of the language, in terms of also understanding the other, that yes, I understand that you might have barriers, of, uh, uh, you might have fears, you might have... Um, you know, distrust. And, and on, on, honestly, that's how the co- country has been run. It's been run with a very Hobbesian kind of view on human nature that, <laughs> you know, you might kind of stab me in the back at any time. And, and, and you know, what October 17 has proven to us and what the, the, the aftermath of August 4 proved to us is that, you know, we have a lot more that unites us and separates us and the Lebanese are generally there for, for each other. And that message is to constantly be carried because it's so easy to kind of break it. This, I think, positive message, optimistic message of inclusion is what pulls me into a group like Mintishreen, or at least the voices that I hear willing to express that, that layer of society, which is fundamental, that yes, the differences are small. And the differences may actually be positive if we were able to express them the right way. Differences are not a bad thing. And I like that you keep saying this in, in different ways that not everyone has to agree all the time on one thing. You can have disagreements, but it, the foundation should be there, that there should be just enough agreement on what the core issue is and what the platform is. And you know what? If Basecamp has a political mirror and it's Mintashin, why the hell not? I mean, that seems like the most appealing option in, in what's available. And what's available is really, I mean, the usual suspects are so out of date now and so unappealing that the fact that Basecamp has done such an outstanding work, it stands tall. 
and I'd like to see that kind of social protection, if you will, uh, discussed in, in the halls of power, which is where it should yeah. be discussed. It shouldn't be discussed online. And these, in a way you're talking about them, this is kind of where I want to wrap it up with. You've been very generous, by the way, with your time. You've given me a lot of your time. So I want to thank you for that. No, I, uh, this is great. You know, uh, this is a conversation that also we should be having in constantly. So really, well, as, it, as long as you want. Well, thank you. <laughs> I would keep you too long. So let's talk about, I, I don't know if maybe echo chamber is the right word here, whether it's an online ecosystem that's not real, it's just online. You, you talked about Twitter earlier. I mean, it could, it's any social media, I guess, that it's the familiar names that are at times eloquent, at times vulgar, sometimes they're ranting, sometimes they're sort of poetic. And it's, 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 it's the voices we all know but it's not the voices we hear necessarily that we read them or we see posts by them. And then there's the stuff we know, which is, and I'm going to sort of give you an option, um, relatives, immediate family that don't see it this way. Neighbors that just, they don't, they don't, this, this doesn't resonate. I'll give you my own examples. Uh, I am, somehow related to the Karami family. It's through my grandmother on my, mom, on my father's side. So there's a Karami extension. I, I know them, but I don't really know them. I know them mostly online for the most part, but some I don't, I know in real life, this doesn't, this doesn't sit with them at all. I mean, Faisal Karami is the natural leader and that's that. The grandson, I mean, it's, you know, the Omar Karami's son, I don't know him. He means nothing to me. I guess he's a third cousin. I'm not sure. But to them, to them, there's no one else. It's Faisal Karami. That's the conservative sort of side. And then you get the more, maybe the more hopeful sort of corner. No, it's still Hariri. I mean, you can say, they, they will criticize him. They will say many bad things about him. But he's the Sunni leader. And that sort of, that toxic way of describing somebody you know the sunni leader it's, it doesn't this doesn't appeal to me one bit i'd rather be five percent of my community but it's the five percent that i agree with not the 95 percent that i disagree with and that can't you can't sort of you can't pull that out of them and this is tripoli and tripoli is the city that we celebrate for being able to stand tall and say we're out of this mess I don't know if that's necessarily everyone in Tripoli. And I don't know if it's a big enough population that is willing to say goodbye to the leaders we know. And I'm giving a very silly example. It's very, very minor, very sort of, very immediate example, but these are relatives. And then think about all the other people that we don't talk to that are not in our echo chamber. It'd be hard for me to assume, and I could be wrong here, it's hard for me to assume that the majority of Lebanese are ready to let go. It seems to be that we are in a sense in a bubble and it's the same bubble that emerged in previous attempts at change. You stink was the bubble. March 14 was maybe a big enough bubble, but it quickly shrank. And now I don't know if that's happening once again. I just, I, Maybe you can maybe help me out of this tunnel that 
I just, it's, it doesn't, I don't know if most Lebanese see this as the way forward. Even if it is the way forward, even if there's really no other option. But for better or worse, the usual suspects are still around. They're still in power. And Hariri, I mean, it's protecting Hassan Dieb from sort of Sunni criticism and all that. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's where we are right now. And it kind of goes back to the beginning of the conversation, which is, I don't know. I just don't know. Confessionalism and the worst aspects of it, that clientelistic way, it seems so deep and so entrenched that sort of makes that steep cliff, if you will, there's almost no, nothing to hold the rope to. It's just like a, almost a free fall at times. So you're the possibilist. You've offered many examples of how to sort of, in a way, offer immediate small improvements. Am I getting this wrong? That people are saying these things, but it's outdated and it's fading. It just takes time. And that we're just, we're now at the beginning of that. It may look hopeless, it may look bleak, but it's the first step. And long-term, it's going to happen. That long-term, these ideas will just fade. I think you know, the first thing that needs to happen when we, when we talk to family members is probably change the way that we talk to these family members. Hmm. I think that a lot of times the reaction is, my point of view, my point of view, your point of view, and then it wrap, wraps up with, but, but you know, we're, we're, they, they robbed us of our, of, of our dignity. How can you still vote for them? You're stupid. And you know the conversation ends you're there. You're not my son. Where, uh, you're not my mom. You're, yeah, you're not my mom. You know, and and uh, you know, I, I talk about my my personal experience. You know, my father is 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 uh, you know he's uh, um, a partisan of the Progressive Socialist Party, um, and the conversations that I've had with my father have completely been different in the last five years. So mm. so I, I think that there's a way and there's a nuanced way of conversing. Um, conversing with with especially your family because if you're not able to kind of share your messages with people who I don't know about your cousins and the cousins you don't know them out that well but but if you're not able to kind of share your ideas with those closest to you then definitely you know you're going to be in an echo chamber Mm. but if your ideas are being heard um, and, and and then if you focus again on not necessarily the attack um of 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 certain you know, of these leaders, even though they completely deserve, you know, every single kind of slander and insult that they deserve to get. But if you're talking about going outside of, of our immediate circles and going outside of our, uh, of the way of our, our, our world perception, if you focus on not the divisive, not the finger pointing that you know it's going to be antagonistic, but you actually focus on the 90% where you, where they agree with you, which is my right to an education, my right to healthcare, my right to housing, my right, you know, no one can disagree with you on that. No one can disagree with you um, on, 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 on classist discussions that, you know, at, at the end of the day, we have, you know, the 1% of, of the banking militia, um, you know, uh, uh, government mafia that has accumulated insane amounts of wealth and still are versus 99% of the people who, who, who are suffering. Um, and, and then you, you ask about the possibility of change. There's also this idea that, we need to focus on um, the, the parliamentary elections, but there's also the municipality elections as well sure. yeah. that also unlock, um, you know, unlock a lot of possibilities for change. And if all of us kind of go back 
to these communities that we can participate in because then you know the, the 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 parliamentary election opens up this idea of districts and i don't really have a close connection uh, to to my mp so accordingly i can't hold him accountable i don't know what his kpis yeah. are and no but if you break it down to a municipal level and and you know that is also an instrument of change that that it becomes a much easier dialogue because you know it might not be that you're talking about these big things but you're actually starting on small things that impact people's lives um, or, or unions and syndicates, you know, our unions and our syndicates are also extremely powerful mechanisms that are, you know, instruments of change if we're able to take them from the grips of this political elite and this regime and actually have independent voices that, you know, are fighting for the good of that industry or for the good of that syndicate. You match that with, with, with municipalities, you match that with whatever's happening in, 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 um, in, uh, in universities as well. You know, yesterday, the Lebanese University, don't, don't quote me on this, but I think the Lebanese University Teachers Council was also, um, there, was, there was a big independent kind of victory there in the Lebanese University. So, look, I, all of this might just be, you know, a, a dream. You know, it, all of this might, you know, t tomorrow, the, the, you know, things can happen in this country. But, but that hope, that, that's there. And if there's 1% hope, then, then we go for it all out. Because like you said, it's not going to be a blank, uh, you know, a blank page. It's not going to be that we wake up one day and we turn the page and everything's okay and it's rosy. States and, and countries that, that we believe in um, are tireless work and it's continuous work and it's not by one or two or three or five people, it's by communities. Um, it's by, you know, sh waking up every morning and feeling like we can be better. And we need to be better and, and we need to constantly try to improve it in any way that we can. And I think that is if, if all of us focus on that, focus on what outlets can we improve, then there is light against the tunnel. But if we kind of, you know, might criticize any move that doesn't might seem eye to eye with us um, or, 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 or kind of, you know, if, if something doesn't go exactly the way that I want it, individualistic, then there's absolutely no point um, in pursuing this. But if we kind of switch that discussion to really being, you know, we deserve better. And, but that starts with us. And, and the Lebanese have been apathetic for so long. We haven't participated. We've kind of, we have to acknowledge our own responsibility as well that we let them get, get to the state. We, we, you know, we were either tricked consciously or unconsciously, which is also, you know, it's also fair um, that we got to this point. But now we have an opportunity to kind of start changing that. And yes, we know we all of us at Mintashin and every single person at all the, 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 the change parties from Minfid to the National Bloc to Lihaki to Beirut Medinity, everyone um, is aware of, of how long the road is. But you got to start somewhere. I think the, the possibilist message is key. And that absolutely without without that glimmer of hope, there's really no point. And I see that glimmer of hope in groups like Mintashreen and voices like yours that have come to really appreciate. And I know it's, it's important to say it's not one person or it's not a few people. I think it's a, it's a generational shift and it's happening slowly. Shouldn't be uh, discounted that groups that were considered jokes in the past AUB Secular Club is one example that I remember from my own years being at AUB was dismissed. It's almost like this is a 
this is a glitch and now it's winning and that's not yeah. that long ago so there is there are things happening i think that's where the glimmer of hope is it's in things like that and maybe maybe down the road there'll come a time where the bigger goals can be addressed effectively i appreciate the medium term goals if you will that almost point at what's what's your right as opposed to anything that's sort of confessional or geopolitical it's the basics healthcare education employment environment it's your rights and i think that that emphasis is is, is important i think it's critical and i'll just uh, i'll say one last thing i uh, i'm new to instagram <laughs> and i find it embarrassing a bit that i reached out to you on instagram i was like oh, i'm going to i'm going to email this man i'm going to sort of uh, <laughs> politely send a professional email I was like, I can't find his email. And then I, I went the Instagram route. I think that also speaks a bit to the moment that things yeah. have changed in recent years and things keep changing. Yeah. And now you have an audience and, and you really do. You have, a, you have a, a fan base and you have an audience that, that's listening and paying attention. And I, I'm new to this whole game, but I found you that way. And I've grown to enjoy uh, what you're saying and what you're posting through social media. And I, I really appreciate everything you've said from, from the inclusion, from Mintashreen, from, from the bigger issues, from, from Hezbollah, from everything that's, that went right and wrong following March 14, and the, uh, maybe the truth, which is that unless we do these things from within, unless we fix these things, we have no one else to blame but ourselves. And it's really up to the Lebanese now to uh to fix this country and rebuild it so thank you thank you for staying up late and i hope we can continue the discussion once the online platform is available and as mitishin develops and grows and i'd really like to uh, gauge your mind once more and i'll just say one other thing you're a lot smarter than me but not that smart and i'll tell you why <laughs> no books six books <laughs> <laughs> behind you seven books eight books we're, yeah we're... but this is like uh maybe like two years <laughs> two years like i'm not like uh yeah you don't have that <laughs> bookshelf that everyone puts on in their displays you have the real no. the real literature which is out yeah there. yeah yeah it's a book yeah that uh, intellectual uh yeah yeah the thousand million and one books. book kind of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> thousand we're... book kind of I think you've got maybe six or seven that are not even being read. So yeah. that's, that's your background. Yeah, absolutely. A bunch of DVDs uh, over them as DVDs, well. Just like, yeah. uh, I have yeah. closets. So we're <laughs> humbling moment <laughs> for every Yeah, absolutely. Simon, thank you. Ronnie, it was, it's always a pleasure. And I also, you know, really enjoyed this podcast and it was, it, it was great to be on it. And I think that the conversations you constantly have are extremely interesting and that's the foundation to just building um, building a, a, a country that we're all proud of. So thank you for this uh, conversation and hope to see you soon, man. It's, it's my honor, my pleasure. Thank you, Summer. Thanks for listening. And a friendly reminder to help support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box below. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.